Okay, it's Penn State Blitz podcast time. I'm Bob Flounders, joined in the studio by Greg Pickle. Is that shirt, what is that? I don't know. Is that emerald, aqua? Yeah. What color is that? It's emerald for emerald downs, Bob. Okay. How's that sound? <laughs> turquoise. There you I'm go. I'm going to go with turquoise. Turquoise, okay. You're looking good, my man, here in January. We've got a lot to get to. We're going to talk about Isaiah Humphreys, the former Penn State player, and yep. his lawsuit against Penn State. We're going to talk about the recent LSU Clemson National Championship game, and maybe how it applies to Penn State moving forward. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about another Penn State former coach, Joe Moorhead. Looks like he might have a job lined up on the West Coast. And then we're going to close with the Penn State mailbag. Okay, Greg, usually we're pretty funny here at the start of our Penn State Blitz videos and podcasts, but we're going to talk about something fairly serious. It came out earlier this week. A former Penn State player, defensive back Isaiah Humphreys, filed a lawsuit against Penn State. James Franklin, Harrisburg High School's Damian Barber was mentioned, along with some other players, current and former. Mm -hmm. We really can't go too far into this discussion because we don't really know a lot just yet, but we got to talk about it. Isaiah Humphreys spent, I think, one year Mm -hmm. at Penn State. He was in the 2018 recruiting class. Yes. Defensive back, Mm -hmm. now at Cal, transferred out. At the conclusion of the 2018 season? So he committed to Penn State on New Year's Eve before the uh, Rose Bowl. Okay. And then he stayed committed all that time. Came to Penn State uh, if, if with the class of 2018. Spent a year on campus, actually a little bit less than a year. Uh, November 28th, 2018, announced he was transferring mm-hmm. out of the program. I guess one thing that made this all a little surprising was the note he wrote when he left. Thanked Penn State for all the memories and all the friendships right. that he had made how much he had learned, but, you know, there was a sentence in there, something about to keep my passion for football and keep growing. I have to look and play somewhere else. So, yeah, this lawsuit comes out uh, on Monday of this past week uh, after he set out a season at Cal. Uh, Obviously, he makes accusations of hazing and harassment within the Penn State locker room and the Penn State football program. His lawyer, a Philadelphia-based Penn State graduate, uh, was on the gymnastics team uh, at Penn State, you know, said, talked to Dave Jones and said that, you know, it, it's a tough thing to do, I guess, to have a, a lawsuit like this. But he thinks that there's a case to be made here. We'll have to wait and see. Penn State's denied the allegations right. and accusations, has said that it conducted an investigation independent right. from its athletic department, that the Penn State police uh, looked at the investigation and sent their findings to the Center County District Attorney, which declined to press charges. So, at this point, Bob, I think yeah. it's pretty similar to where the Scott Lynch case sits. Mm-hmm. Former, Former team doctor, doctor right? who was reassigned and Wayne Sebastianelli was brought back in, the mid- I guess it was what, April 2019, May mm-hmm. or March 2019, something like that. Uh, in the sense of it'll just probably sit in court documents and legal filings for a while. Perhaps one day it'll get to a stage where, you know, there's some, I, I can't, you know, so many of these things settle before they get to depositions and discovery and all that that it wouldn't be surprising if this one is the same. However, Penn State could dig in and fight it to, uh, you know, to try and protect its brand and sure. the locker room and everything, you know, what what goes on and everything like that. So we'll have to wait and see, um, you know, from the standpoint of where things go from here, it doesn't seem as if there'll be any additional repercussions or penalties to the players named in the lawsuit. Penn State's given no indication of right. that yet. It said it found no, you know, no, no, there was no hazing or anything of that nature going on. You know, obviously Isaiah Humphreys and his family contend 
and have a different story. So at this point, we'll have to wait and see how the, the court stuff proceeds from here. Yeah, just one thing I wanted to note was not long after the lawsuit became public, you had some current Penn State players coming out on social media. Former Penn State player who's not used to being on social media, Ryan Bates, had some strong takes. Since deleted takes, but yes, Since he deleted did, yes. takes, but they were, at the time, they were very much in support of the Penn State program. Yeah. Uh, so we'll just see uh, a couple of former, a uh, couple defensive backs, which was Humphrey's position. Yeah, you're right. It, we just, there's not a lot we can really talk about right now. It's, some things are going to have to play out, but disturbing allegations. And we're just going to, as things unfold, uh, we'll be here to talk about them and report them. Yep. But right now, it's just kind of very, very surprising news that came out earlier this week. Uh, let's roll it forward, though. We, there was also a national championship game that was uh, concluded on Monday night. Mm-hmm. A uh, home game, really, for LSU, yeah. almost, in New Orleans. They beat Clemson 42-25, capped a, just a dream season, played a very tough schedule, beat a very good Clemson team, destroyed a very good Very Georgia good team. on Monday. And just your thoughts on what you saw from the game and maybe having seen Penn State, you yeah. know, go 11-2, and two, playing some good teams tough. How you think Penn State stacks up with maybe what you saw from those two teams? Yeah, I mean, I sat, the one thing that struck me as I sat there and watched the game on Monday night, let's get one thing out of the way. They got to start this thing earlier, man. I mean, <laughs> no. to have it end at 1230, and keep in mind, the only reason it ended at 1230 was because it was a blowout and there were no late-game timeouts. There were no yeah. you know, stalling tactics or anything like that. Of course, no overtime, so... I mean, this game could have easily ended after 1 o'clock on the East Coast if it was close and competitive. So LSU, I think you said it, the dream season, Joe Burrow, Joe Brady, the other uh, offensive coordinator down there at Odra. I mean, they every button they pressed this past season was the right yeah. one. But, you know, they have receivers that can get open. They have defensive backs who can run and play the ball in space. They have linemen who can get home with three- and four-man rushes. Uh, and they have offensive linemen who can blow holes open. Penn State does not have all of those things. They have some of them, but it definitely felt like those two teams were playing in a different right. uh, airspace, I guess you could say, than everybody else in college football this year outside of maybe Ohio State. And for Penn State, you know, the next step, we've talked about it a lot, recruiting and making sure that you continue to get guys who can do stuff like that. But, you know, above all else, if you, and we saw it with Trevor Lawrence, what, 13 overthrown passes? Yeah. I mean, if you're... If you don't have a quarterback, Lidneg. yeah. If you don't have a quarterback that can play at a high level, and I mean we're talking mm-hmm. the, at the highest level of the game, you're not going to make it to the college football playoff unless you have just a hellacious defense that can score points itself and win games for you. But that to me was the biggest takeaway that Penn State has a lot of areas it must improve in to reach the level of those teams, even if it was eleven and two, and you know coming off of a very impressive 2019 season, there's still a lot of work left to be done. I have two takeaways. First of all, I agree with you. Game was just too long. It probably doubled my bar tab, honestly, <laughs> yeah. uh, where I was. If had the game ended like 11.30, I could have skated out of there for maybe less than 70 bucks. No, wasn't, you meant, did... wasn't meant to be. I was a little upset about that. Mm-hmm. But in all seriousness, you're talking about recruiting and talent. Mm-hmm. But I think we also saw what a very well-orchestrated scheme mm-hmm. by Joe Brady and the offensive minds at LSU to free up all that talent can do, yeah. I think, for a program. Because LSU, Greg, has always had a lot of really good athletes. You see it play out on NFL Draft Weekend all mm-hmm. the time. Maybe they haven't had a lot of great quarterbacks. But Joe Burrow, no one really knew about Joe Burrow before this year. He was a right. second or third stream guy, I think, at Ohio State. Obviously a talented guy. But 
in that scene. You saw it right away. It was a perfect marriage. And I think that's also another thing moving forward. Penn State fans want to look at and just see, you know, how Kirk Chirac is seen. Because it was a very good scheme at Minnesota to cause yeah. Penn State trouble. Right. And we'll see how much crisper this thing looks, I think, in the fall. Because they certainly have some key components coming back on offense. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, even if you lose K.J. Hamler. But, you know, again, watching that, I was so impressed by both teams' wide receivers. Have been all year, but when you see them on the same field together, it becomes even more impressive. But, you know, yeah, LSU was able to get guys in space and let them work. And that was sometimes by separation, but sometimes it was just design, as you said. And if you're able to do that, you can turn even guys who maybe aren't five-star future NFL first-round draft picks into reliable talent. So, yeah, he has a lot of work ahead of him. We're taping this Wednesday afternoon, so we don't know at this moment who Penn State's wide receivers coach will be. I would suspect that that'll be wrapped up sooner rather than later, but I guess James Franklin's in no real rush to, you know, get that done unless he really wants to be. I mean, you can go out recruiting, but so be it. If if you don't think the right guy is there, then you'll wait until you find him. But whoever the new receivers coach is uh, and the new offensive line coach, Phil Troutwine and and Kirk Shiraka, who also, of course, will coach quarterbacks, they have a lot of – a lot of players that were very talented high school athletes who maybe haven't translated yeah. that game to the college level. So they got their work cut out for them. But on the other hand, you see that the talent could possibly be there moving forward. Yeah. We're about halfway home here on the Penn State Blitz. So that means only one thing to me. It means you have some information to share with our audience. Indeed. So the offseason rolls on, but not for us. We're here every week with the Penn State Blitz podcast. Never for us. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your audio. Uh, You can find us there. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Leave some feedback for us. And if you're watching The Blitz, it's YouTube.com slash All Penn State for the video version of the podcast. Uh, Moving right along here on The Blitz, let's let's talk a little bit about third down let's start with penn state's final ranking yeah uh i think very much of you know a surprise given kind of what we Mm -hmm. thought at the start of the year where we thought maybe hey they might be able to be a top 15 team they got a tough schedule really tough in october you know got to play ohio state michigan michigan state haven't done well there you know they go 10 and 2 play ohio state you know very tough could have beat minnesota yeah and then they, they finished i think with a strong Second half in the Cotton Bowl to get to eleven and two. Yeah, got a lot of good players coming back. I think number nine was it in the AP rankings. Both of them. Yep, nine in the AP rankings. I saw the Athletics way, way, way too early for twenty twenty top twenty five at the start. Stuart Mandel knows his stuff. He has him at number six. Yep. So before we get to Joe Moorhead, just your thoughts on how they capped the year. Yeah. Could they have been higher or did they get the ranking right number nine? No, I think that's about right. I mean, I think almost like much of the year where the college football playoff conversation, there was so, so much grouping, I guess you could say. Between, there wasn't much space between six and ten. Right. And I'm not sure that there is at the end of the year either. So um, it's funny. You look at Penn State and maybe it feels like sometimes we're being too harsh on a team that finished 11-2. and two, and in the top ten, when before the season started, yep. you know, it, it eight and four or nine and three looked very likely, and uh, it turns out that they were able to, you know, take care of some pretty weak opponents at times, but also take on some very good teams and either win those games or go almost to the wire with them. Uh, to me, just looking back over the 19, 2019 season, I think the more most impressive the Ohio State game always just sticks with me because Will Evans came in, and I know they didn't win that game, but. You know, there's no, I don't know how many teams could have went on the road and then had to go to their backup quarterback right. and still at least had a fighter's chance in that game, even though it, maybe it didn't reflect right. that in the final score or maybe if some people watched it. But, 
Yeah, I feel like number nine is right. And they should again, you know, they to me, there's a couple things that have to be better in 2020, though, for them to be higher than nine sure. at this time next year. It's secondary play. And it's obviously what Kirk Shiraka does with the offense and whether they can, uh, you know, become, I guess, maybe more consistent in that regard. And then it's, uh, I, I won't let it go, special teams and Blake Illigan. I mean, I just feel like you take for granted when you have a good punter until you have a bad one. Right. And Penn State's had some some tough uh, years at yes, that position. They have. And just think how many games Penn State either stayed in yeah. or stayed ahead in because he was able to flip the field and yep. keep opponents at bay. They're going to have to obviously look at some guys for that job. Maybe it's Jordan Stout. Maybe it's somebody else. But um, those are three keys to me, and you could go with a number of other different directions. But that's how you get from nine to six or somewhere higher than that at this time next year. My takeaway from Matt is that Greg Pickle's love for Blake Gilligan knows no bounds. And maybe maybe there shouldn't be any bounds for that because he did have a great year. By the way, didn't Jordan Stout hit the – Hit the Cotton Bowl, the AT and T Stadium. Yeah, Stadium. He took out he took out a, a light stanchion or something in the scoreboard. So he, he's got a pretty strong leg. James doesn't like to give people too much to do, but I think he can handle something other than kickoff specialist. Yeah. He's got to be in the mixer punter, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they don't really have that many options otherwise. So unless Joe Lord goes find himself another Jordan Stout in the transfer portal, You're right. Um, you know, I don't know. Right. I don't know what else you could be looking at there. There's one guy we wrote about him last week, but he's a state college native. Went to Connecticut, was the punter for a year, lost his job. He's in the transfer portal. Maybe they'll give him a look, but other than that, it's probably stout all the way. Okay. Some other news, real quick, about Penn State former coaches and former grad assistants. Joe yeah. Moorhead linked with the Oregon OC job. Yep. I don't know if we talked about this last week, but we can mention it again. John Donovan. The, oh, I for, no, the we, Washington was, yeah. OC job, yeah, and Joe Brady, yep, uh, going to the NFL with the Carolina Panthers. He was a grad assistant, I think, wasn't he? Joe Moorhead's guy, uh, either at Fordham or when he was at Penn State. Yeah, so he was with Franklin in fifteen, and then Franklin and Moorhead in sixteen, and then went to you know, work with the Saints, and then right. ended up with LSU. So yeah, we'll see if he's the uh, you know the wonder mind that. It, he's been made out to be obviously extremely talented coach person, uh, all of that. And it does not, you know, it's striking to me that someone that young, you might as well go to the NFL for giving you the chance. You can always go back to college, mm-hmm. but to get in on the ground floor of what, you know, Matt rule believes can be a, a quick turnaround for the Carolina Panthers. Sure. Um, you got to take that chance at 30. So not surprised by that. John Donovan to Washington was a total, I mean, that might end up being worse than Bill O'Brien fake punting at, uh, and I don't even want to get into that whole conversation again. But uh, oh, I got some really good texts from Greg uh, around five o'clock on Sunday. I'm just going to leave it at that. But yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead and make your point. <laughs> yeah, I just totally lost my train of thought. You're um, talking about Johnny D. Yeah. So uh, you know, interesting. That Rehabbed himself a little it, bit in, in, in Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, I guess he was the assistant running backs coach. And then he was an, you know, he was an off field analyst and an assistant running back. So yeah, that one, that caught me off guard. I did not see that coming, but Hey, good for yeah. him. Glad to see uh, he's back in the college game. I don't know. I will be anxiously awaiting a Washington win total unders um, because that offense probably will be unimaginative and not score any points. So <laughs> wow, piling it on. Um, Oregon and Washington probably play each I was other just, this I was, year. I was trying. I was waiting wow. to get that in when Moorhead's Ducks play uh, Johnny D's 
what are they, the Huskies? The yes, Huskies. the Huskies, yes. I mean, I know you're going to be watching. I think your hate for John Donovan knows no bounds. It's it's not hatred. It's just, uh, you know, I, I just... Disgust? Uh, that's probably a better word, yeah. I just don't... He never I, did anything to you. He didn't do anything to me. He's a very nice man, but uh, I, I'm just not sure He didn't like seeing those offenses play. Just not sure he's cut out to be an offensive coordinator at a place that has expectations, which Vanderbilt didn't. Penn State did. Uh, obviously, and Washington will as well. I can't so we'll wait. see. I can't wait for the Washington Huskies breakout in 2020 <laughs> yeah. so we can replay this video. We might send it to John Donovan yeah. like a care package. I just, I just have a feeling. At the I have same a feeling time about that, uh, this moment we're yeah. talking about right now and John Donovan. But, yeah, we'll see. Good for them. Good for Brady. Let's close now with the Penn State mailbag. Yeah. You know, there's a lot we could talk about, but is there anything that's really sticking in your craw? Is this is this going to be about signing day? Is this going to be about something we just watched? Yeah. Where where are you heading with this mailbag, young man? Anywhere you'd like to go, Bob. Let's start with this. When you look at what's out there, as again, we're talking about this Wednesday afternoon, so by the time we this hits the air, things could come up, but what would you, if you could pick your, your next bit of news to come out of Penn State, would it be a receiver's coach? Would it be Shaka Tony's draft declaration? Would it be James Franklin's contract terms? Or would it be the fruits of this uh, big recruiting weekend they have on tap? I'm not as curious about, I think, James's contract as, as some people are. I mean, I don't even know if they'll give out the, the particulars about maybe the assistant coaching upgrade. Definitely won't. They won't. So, I mean, to me... I'll pass on that. I, I, I've been a little bit curious about Shaka Tony almost since the Cotton Bowl ended. Yeah. I believe he put something out on Twitter shortly after the game saying he just hasn't made up his mind. And he's just been silent since then. If I'm not wrong, Greg, it's January 20th, the last day he, can, he, can, he has to declare. I think it's Monday. I think that's I'm right. I'm almost yes. positive that it is. I don't want to go into it too far because he could literally, after we get done and this gets, he could have up, done it by already. Yeah, yeah, he could he could have made an announcement. But just the just the fact that we're where we are now, starting to creep into mid to late January, and the Cotton Bowl was played in late December, and we still don't know about and him. Classes started already. What what, yeah. uh, what do you make of that? I make that either well, so Shaka seems like a pretty quiet kid. Right. Like I, the one thing that. When teammates talk about him, they say that he, he, you know, in meeting rooms and on the field and in practice, he can, you know, he might trash talk a little bit and get guys going and nothing in a bad way. But, you know, he definitely seems to let his play do most of the talking. So perhaps he just doesn't really feel the need to announce anything. But to me, I think that the longer this goes, the more the more likely it is to come back. I'll talk for a little while. Yeah, please. So here's my thing for you, and I'll, I'll just put it to you this way. We're eventually, there'll be you know strength and conditioning's coming up, and yep. then it will be early into spring practice, and you know we'll get probably get a chance to talk to Dwight Galt, the strength coach, and then James Franklin will probably say something early in March about spring practice. Is there one or two players that are leaders in the clubhouse for maybe buzzworthy status? Ooh, whether it's interesting. had a great winter conditioning session with. With Dwight, whether it's a true freshman yeah. or is it a young player or is there a player you're going to be keeping your ear to the ground about early in spring that maybe can really help Penn State and fall? Yeah. I have my guy, so I'll just I'm going to ask you first. Guy or guys? Guy or guy? It could be it could be multiple. All right, let's do it. Um, you know, again, I am fascinated about what potential Keandre Lambert, the four star mm-hmm. receiver out of Virginia, who enrolled uh, for the start of classes. I, I think. He really could be a guy that steps in and, and plays a big role as a true freshman. And I know some people probably 
Maybe don't want to hear that because we all thought Justin Shorter would do that. Right. It didn't necessarily work out that way. But, man, he is a special talent. I, I he's think, not from New Jersey, so he's got that going for him. It's the that's Jer- true. It it's is the a, Jersey wideouts. That's what it is. It is. I'm interested in Lambert. We'll see how that works out. He's one of my guys. I mean, can't talk anymore, so I'm going to pass it pass back it to you. Pass it over to me. That's, that's right. a good. See, this is good teammating. Yeah. Uh, to, me, it's, to me, my guy is John Dunmore. I just remember – I think you were down with me in Florida. It was, I think it was the day before the Citrus Bowl, Penn State lost to Kentucky. We watched a couple. Of, we watched. We saw Noah Kane. We saw. We saw Devin Ford. But I, I just remember watching him on the on the on the practice field against some really good corners. Mm-hmm. Just continuously dust them. He caught everything thrown his way. He looked a little bit. He's he's tall, but he's, yeah. he's not he's not very much filled out yet. I think you know he can add some good weight. But I just was really impressed with the way he ran his routes, the way he caught his passes, and he always seemed to be able to get the, get goodbye, get, uh, excuse me, pass some good It's corners. a rough mailbag segment. I know. Oh, it happens. This was me on Monday night when my huh. bar tab went over three figures. <laughs> but um, to, to me, John Dunmore is a guy that I'm going to be looking to. I, I, I trust you because you're a recruiting guy when you talked about uh, Keandre. And also just, just, just the running back room in general is going to be fascinating. So we'll see how all of that goes, I think, in the coming weeks, hopefully we'll have some more news about the lawsuit. We just don't know, but we're not going to really say anything more about that. Yep. And with, with all that said, I think it's a wrap for this Penn State Blitz. The Penn State Blitz podcast is back. I'm Bob Flounders. Greg Pickle is still with me. Don't worry about it out there if you guys were worried about him. We did not have to send for a doctor or an ambulance. Not yet. pulled it together. It's part of the cold and flu season, Greg. Mm-hmm. I admire you for playing through. Let's talk a little bit about Penn State recruiting now that the dead period is close to ending. Right. What can you share with us maybe in terms of news in the short term? And is there anything to watch for maybe past February with Penn State and James Franklin? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, I thought we'd hear more transfer portal stuff by now, yeah, that is quite weird. frankly. So there, as far as my counting goes, they're still slightly over the 85-man scholarship limit. So I'm not expecting any additional February, uh, you know, the old signing day. That, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm hard-pressed to think they'll be able to add anybody in that uh, period just because, again, they signed 27 guys already, and they seem to be over the limit uh, at this point. So... Now, if guys end up leaving, then maybe that'll change. But for right now, uh, it's all about the class of 2021 and beyond. Penn State will host a very good group of visitors this weekend mm-hmm. on campus for the first time. The visitors are allowed to come uh, to right. campus since before the Cotton Bowl. So it's a good chance to get guys back on campus. Unfortunately, uh, you know they'll spend some time this week talking about things off the field, be it uh, coaching change yep. with uh, Matt Limegrover, they'll have to, you know, assure some guys about why that took place. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the uh, the lawsuit will come up because sure. it was filed by Isaiah Humphreys uh, earlier this week. And I'm sure, too, that a lot of offensive players will want to know what exactly it is that Kirk Scirocco is going to do yeah. with this offense. So Penn State tends to get a lot of commitments, or at least a commitment, on weekends like this where there's a lot of big-name mm-hmm. visitors in town, Bob. I'm a little hard-pressed to see it happening this time around, only because of yeah. the fact that there's a lot of questions. Guys may want to explore some things, learn yeah. some things before deciding to make that decision. So we'll see. I don't know. James Franklin always tends to have a little trick up his sleeve, though, this time of year. So time will tell. But you know, I, I'm not going to rule out a commitment, but I do think that 
the number of changes that have taken place since kids could last come to campus might mean that if somebody was getting close to deciding, they could wait before doing that. Real quick, is there a big name or two you can throw out there that is expected to be at Penn State this weekend that Penn State fans could potentially yeah, get excited about? a little early because what I've come to find, follow recruiting long enough and you'll find that kids that say they're coming Tuesday and Wednesday suddenly just don't show up Thursday and Friday. So um, stay tuned. We'll have a list up either Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon of names to watch. But uh, I think they'll try and get all the top guys up, and you know that includes along the offensive line, Landon Tangwall, the kid from uh, from down in Maryland. I would not be surprised if they try and bring up some of the uh, you know the top offensive targets on the mm-hmm. board that are local. So um, you know, again, it's it can be tough to tell exactly who what at, definitely show up at this point, especially because keep yep. in mind every school in the country is trying to get these guys to come. So. Uh, we'll see, but it should be, I would say, probably a good 50 to 60% of their top targets will be on campus. As we wrap up this week in Penn State football, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball. Go ahead. Have you forgiven former Penn State coach Bill no. O'Brien no. And, the, and the Houston Texans no. for the, for the nope. 24-0 lead that they had and the nope. collapse from a gambling perspective? No. Okay. Will you ever forgive him? No. All right, fair, fair. Hard feelings for yeah. Billy O. He, if I tell him about this, he's, you know, I don't know if you saw that video. He doesn't take the criticism very kindly, so just be careful. Yeah, well, um, he could have, uh, we won't even go there. But, uh, yeah, not, uh, was not pleased with that last week in Penn State football, or Penn, Penn, former Penn State football. So we'll see if this weekend's any better. Good times. Thanks for joining us on this week's edition of the Penn State Blitz. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Leave your feedback. And remember, if you subscribe, you'll get the podcast a day early. Otherwise, it's on Penn Live every Thursday. We'll see you next week.